Wow, this sounded like hot garbage in the arena, but the live mic feed, yes. Chef's kiss to this. Hello, and welcome to the EuroWhat, episode number 197 for the week of May 22nd, 2023. We are a pair of Americans trying to make sense of the Eurovision Song Contest. I'm Ben Smith, and I'm joined today by Mike McComb. Hey, Mike. Hello. In this episode, we'll be talking about my first visit to Eurovision. I'm back, Mike. Yay. Welcome back, Ben. I am back. I have slept. I am theoretically back on Eastern summertime. How was your trip? It was so good. As someone who's been following the contest for over a decade and has not been in person, going in person meant a lot to me. But also just getting to be in the same physical space as many of the other podcasters and people we have had on our show was just like super nice. It was just to, to like try and coordinate with people and be like, hello, we are in the same physical space. This happens so rarely. How are you? This was such a good year to have it be your first Eurovision. Yes, I, I really lucked out with this one. And talking with people who have been to more of these things, Liverpool went all out. What were your expectations going into this trip or like going to Eurovision? With travel, I tend to be like not an over planner. I will find all the things and I will put all the things in a Google Doc and then have like a loose idea of what I'm doing. Somehow I did even less planning than I normally do for a trip like this, but I knew I was going to have press credentials, which is new for us. Well, physical press credentials. And I wanted to leave space for that. And I also just wanted to leave space for, okay, what all is going on in Liverpool? There was a Visit Liverpool app that laid out all of the things that are happening. I had rough ideas of what I was going to do, but I just kind of wanted to leave myself space. And that ended up being really nice. How long were you in the city? I left Boston the Wednesday night before Eurovision week and got in Thursday morning. And then I took the bus from Manchester to Liverpool. And then I was there until Sunday. And then we just spent a lot of time on planes on Sunday the 14th. So a week and a half, that's a good bit of time to be in one location. And it sounds like there was stuff to do every single day. Also, they were like coordinating a king or something. So like we watched that on TV. That was fun and different. Watching that was just wild just because it, A, it's on at a normal time. You need to wake up at like 5 a.m. if you want to like watch it live in America. I just remember when the Queen died last year, being in Colorado for a concert and seeing a CBS special with Gail, Oprah's friend, hosting it just and just being like, Gail, we fought a war so we don't have to do this. Why is this yeah. on? <laughs> I did like that the BBC put up a QR code in the corner as things were starting so that you could get the the program and the order. I did not expect that to lead to a 50-page PDF. Oh, wow. That was just sort of like the entire list of like, here is what we're going to say at Charles, and here is what he's going to say in response, and here is the full processional and everybody who's in that. And I'm just like scrolling through like, I don't care about any of this. When do we get to the good stuff? Yeah. Um, just watching them put so many bracelets on that man. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I did not watch any of the coverage, which is kind of a shame since this is, well, maybe not once in a lifetime at this point, but uh, once in a lifetime for a lot of people. <laughs> Wait, just like the last time that this happened, it was a big deal for TV. Precursor to Eurovision, as we've mentioned before. So. Yes. <laughs> In terms of the Eurovision activities, were they already set up by the time you got there? Well, I guess they would have been since rehearsals would have been in progress. The one thing that felt a little weird this year is last year, they were really good about having the meet and greets happening around rehearsals. And this year, the info about those got to us sort of late. Like by the time that they said, hey, we're going to have meet and greets 
at the venue that the Euro Club is in, it was like, okay, cool. It's Tuesday of rehearsals week. And that's when these are starting. So I guess I will not be going to these. And that was fine. The online press access was particularly weird because of that. Aside from being able to watch the dress rehearsals, there wasn't really much for the online press to access. Was there much more for in-person press access prior to dress rehearsal week? Or did it all start dress rehearsal week? It all started dress rehearsal week. The press there did not open until Monday of that week. Oh, geez. Okay. Yeah. It's like, I, it's, you could pick up your credentials beforehand. But yeah, like I think there were a bunch of people who were just trying to find alternate venues for the various interviews they were doing. We had contact info for all of the heads of delegation. We could set up interviews beforehand if we wanted to, but it just felt very weird compared to previous years where there's been that full essential online complex where it was chat and it was very easy to like reach out in this year it felt a little bit off but like that's neither here nor there i guess the first major eurovision specific event would have been the turquoise carpet were you able to go to that weirdly enough we did get to end up at one end of the carpet like i did not request carpet access on behalf of our podcast just because that didn't feel like what we do we had been watching and when i say we i should take a step back so i partnered up with the team at 12 points from america because we are all americans we are all Minnesotans, weirdly enough. And it ended up being very nice because we both flew Iceland Air. We flew to Reykjavik and we all met up in Reykjavik and we were all on the same plane to Manchester. Oh, that's nice. That made getting to Liverpool and getting to where we were staying very easy because none of us were in this alone. We had been watching the start of the turquoise carpet because we were planning on going to the National Lottery's big Eurovision welcome concert later in the day. We were like, okay, that's not opening until like five. It's not going to start until like seven or eight. So we can just like wander over at 530. So we watched the start of the carpet. And then we walked over to the big Eurovision welcome, making sure that everybody had their little scratch card to prove that, yes, we had done the lottery. Was that the price of admission? A week, week and a half before tickets are like, by the way, we're going to be checking to make sure that you participated in the lottery. So you need to like do a thing. So we all went to Tesco and we got scratch cards, <laughs> which which is great because like I earned my money back on my scratch card. I, I paid three pounds for a scratch card and I won six pounds. Nice. Yeah. Nobody checked this on entering the St. George's Hall area. So congratulations. <laughs> you got the money to put on the concert. Excellent grift. Do it again. Anyway, so we get over there and it's like six ish. Probably we get through the line and realize that part of the stage is right by the tail end of the Eurovision turquoise carpet. So we post up by there right away and we get a bunch of end of the carpet photos. Oh, nice. From like Greece on at like the end of the carpet. And since there were various artists that everybody wanted to talk to, it also meant we got to see Sweden and Finland. They filmed a little insert for the big, whatever cut down version of the big Eurovision welcome was going to be on the BBC. I need to go back to iPlayer and be like, okay, is our group on screen at any point? Which uh, you have seen my neon green denim jacket. It's going to be really easy to find me in a crowd. That welcome concert was a lot of fun, especially when there would be like very UK specific things, where just like everybody around us is very into Atomic Kitten. And our group is just like, okay, cool. The big name on the, the lineup had been Frankie Goes to Hollywood, who came out, performed Welcome to the Pleasure Dome, and I was waiting for that to transition into Relax, and they did not play Relax, and they just went off stage, and those guys are legends. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, wasn't this like the first time that they played together in like 35 years? In like years 36 or years? Like yes. Oh, wow. Yes, yeah. it was. They played <laughs> one of their hits. I believe it's 
I forget if Welcome to the Pleasure Dome went to number one in the UK. Oh, probably did. Or is that the one where they said it was going to be number one and then it peaked? Yeah, at I'm trying to remember if it was like the fourth yeah. one that actually went to number two. Yeah. I don't know, but just like <laughs> iconic behavior. We love to see it. That was a weirdly long day because we had done a little podcaster meetup around noon. Then we watched the turquoise carpet. We went to the big Eurovision welcome. And then we went to the Euro Club to go see Kano. Oh, wow. Yeah, that is a full day. Uh Yes. <laughs> Oh, so how was the Euro Club experience? I went there one night, and that was enough for me. It yeah. was it was it was very full. Uh, shout out to the Suvlaki truck outside the Euro Club. They did very good work. I have done Euro Club exactly once as well, and it's like okay, I'm good. Oh, and it was great because immediately before we were heading in to go see the lineup, uh, Dude Pois entered. It was like it's you, excellent. So let's see, that would have been Sunday. So the next day would have been the first dress rehearsal. Yes. The first day of press access, the first day of of rehearsals, yes. The press center was a little bit of a hike. I don't know. It was like the, the weirdest path to get from the arena to the attached convention center possible. I have not had like, a press badge before, so that was very exciting. Yeah. So what is the setup like in the press center? Like, I, I have a vision in my head, not having in-person press access before. It's like, so what, what do you do there? Have you been in a hotel ballroom or or like a large city convention center? Yeah. Okay, it's it's basically just like one of the big rooms there. There were a couple different sections. There was a section for fan press immediately inside. And there was like a further back. There was like a media room. So, you know, real press. Fan press is real press. But also uh, there was somebody leading a tour group just talking about what the fan press was. On one hand, they weren't incorrect, but also they were kind of incorrect. It's like, it's not, we're not just super fans. We're super duper fans. <laughs> the, the level of content that some of these websites produce is very impressive to see, given that it's about Eurovision. Just like this one topic. There was also a Moroccan oil setup that had swag bags that were only for Media 1 and Media 2 and not for fan media. There was also a Bailey's stand that was for everybody and they were just free. Yeah, I saw a lot of reporting about that. I don't particularly care for Bailey's. So I'm like, okay, it's great that they're making these cocktails, but also I'm good. Thank you. A little Bailey's goes a long way. I can't imagine yes. really having more than one uh, any given session. There was like some hot food, cold food. There's a place where you could get tea or instant coffee. There was like a couple counters where you could either request interviews or request meeting space. Directly outside of the press area, they had these three sort of kind of like Instagram friendly interview grab when you want to setups that were just very weirdly set. Like one of them was like a bathtub full of ball pit balls. Okay, yeah, I think I've seen a few photos. Yeah, like, if you've seen photos, like, that's where those were. It was very strange. Got there. At the time, our semifinal episode had just gone up, so I'm like, okay, cool. I will do the work of listening through this and checking on how the show is is going. Uh, But no, like, said hi to a few of the people that that we met before, said hi to the Aussie Vision guys, because, like, we were finally in the same physical space. Hello. Uh, And then just sort of geared up for the first dress rehearsal, which that was very exciting to be in the arena for. How many people were part of the audience for that show? That is basically, I want to say some people from the various nation teams are obviously watching that and seeing what things look like. And then just whatever members of the press have gotten there and want to be in the venue for that. So maybe like 300 people, 350, 400 Okay. So good size crowd, but definitely not like arena size. There's barely anybody on the floor. We're kind of mostly on one side of the arena. Some people are walking to the other side, but yeah, like 
It's mostly just like a couple of the main sections of the arena. Okay. Huh. Were you watching that first dress from home? Yes. I was really enjoying looking at the stagehands, figuring out how do we tighten up the transition between these things? Because like all of the busker stuff took a long time to load in. And then things like, oh, they need to have a, a green room thing on both sides of Sweden getting loaded in and loaded out. Watching it from home, it was being presented as a TV show, so we weren't able to actually watch any of the stagehand transitions. Yeah, how long did Lorene's setup take? Those first couple passes of it, I forget if this was happening during Lorene's setup, but there was like an entire prepared video package ready that I don't think ended up getting used in the show of just like some Eurovision history stuff, just because they had to do all of the setup for the upper part of the Panini press and get that in the air. They have to then wheel in Lorene, who's already reclined on the lower part of the Panini press. Okay. Yeah, because I would have thought that it just would have, like, the the top part would have just been hanging the entire time, but I suppose that is incredibly risky. <laughs> so. They had to do a bunch of assembly of that top part. Then they have to disassemble that top part. Okay. Huh. Wow. It was weird to kind of go on like a full emotional journey of, oh, I think they might do it with some of the staging I had been kind of lukewarm about. I had been concerned about Netherlands, but in the room, I'm like, oh, I kind of get this. We had tickets for both of the, what was the jury show version of the semifinals. So I was in the arena for those. Uh, I was seated for the first one. I was on the floor for the the second one. During the, the, the jury final version of Netherlands, that was like the best it had sounded. Where I'm like, wow, they might do this. And then we saw that, no, it, it did not work. Were there other differences between what you saw live and what ultimately made it on TV? Like, I mean, one thing that I notice is in the arena, it's like, oh, wow, this sounds amazing. This sounds great. Not a bum note in the place. And then you watch the performance later on TV and be like, oh, no, I heard something completely different than what actually happened. <laughs> it's amazing how forgiving hearing something in the arena would be versus then watching the televised version the next night and go, oh, oh, that's the mic feed. Uh oh. Yeah, it's usually uh oh. It's not. It's very rarely. Oh, this is even better than. Uh, yeah, it's it's, it's yeah. It's it's never the reverse. It's never like wow, this sounded like hot garbage in the arena. But the the live mic feed, yes, chef's kiss to this. Yeah, I think there were like a few acts that were doing some last minutes or a wardrobe testing because I feel like Lithuania went through a few different orange dresses to land on the one that she went with various things like that they have like a finite amount of time on on stage so like as long as it's a dress rehearsal and particularly if it's the media one where it's not the jury show it's still a time to sort of test out hey how does this look in the final video footage during the first media run through of things for semi-final one i grabbed the first seat that was available we had been seated for the jury show version of semi-final one in a place where i could kind of see the green room and could see what was on their screens and sort of get an idea of like oh this is the camera angles they're picking i tried to continue picking seats where i could kind of sneak a peek in the green room and also just watching the green room is very fun yeah that is what i would recommend if you were getting tickets to eurovision is like maybe pick a spot by the green room because it's an arena show there's gonna be some screens you can see whatever's going on but like the green room's fun you said you were standing for the second semifinal show, right? Yes. So was the green room behind you and like visible or like what what was that setup like? Because it has changed in the last couple of years for reasons. Yeah, for that one, that was another time where found Dude Point right away who had posted up by the front of the stage. Oh, wow. Okay. 
rather than getting to sort of sneak a peek at the green room, could sneak a peek at the axe as they were either loading on or loading off the stage. Oh, cool. Yeah, which is fun in its own way. And also just see things like, oh, there's a team of five stagehands behind that big prop that Denmark had that are like, every time that they need to rotate that, they're just like doing their best to stay out of shot as they like rotate it into the rotation. Oh, yeah, that was something that I wanted to ask about. Was Denmark behind that thing through most of the performance, or was Riley visible to the arena audience? Riley was visible to the arena audience most of that performance. Okay, yeah, because I was very confused by the way that that was filmed, because it looked like the wall contraption would have been set up there, and he was behind it, and so it was just, like, playing to the camera. And then it would rotate, and then it was just like, well, wait, isn't he still behind the thing? So it, it really seemed like he wasn't performing to the audience at all. For better or worse, he was visible. Okay. <laughs> were, were you able to tell in the crowd what the reception was for different acts that might have like not been what you were expecting? Hmm. That one's tricky just because I feel like the people who are self-selecting to purchase Eurovision tickets. Yes, you're going to have a bunch of locals who Eurovision is happening. Let's go to this thing. But also the, the majority of what's filling that in is people who are very excited to just be at Eurovision and do all of the Eurovision. True. I feel like there was excitement for everybody, particularly with that second semifinal, even some of the ones where we later learned looking at the, the overall scores. Uh-oh. Yeah. Uh- <laughs> I knew that there were some San Marino fans in attendance, so perhaps yes. their enthusiasm just like, uh, I don't know, what's the opposite of osmosis? Uh, like spread out yeah. throughout the crowd. <laughs> so- <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, it's just like, yeah, like there were San Marino fans there. I was clapping and whooping for Romania because that is an 18-year-old and we are not making them feel bad they are on a very large stage and this is great for them oh yeah i guess that's another thing in the standing position were you able to get a sense of what was happening with the floor technology or did that not happen until you were able to watch the show on a screen particularly for the second semifinal no which ended up being a real big surprise for romania in particular oh oh there's floor stuff for the beginning Uh uh-oh like i had already been very dangered will robinson about that whole performance and I was like, oh, there's, oh, there's more. Oh, no. There were so many ideas happening there. That was the one thing I really couldn't get a a grip on with Semifinal 2, just because we were so far forward. Mm-hmm. That ended up being a very nice surprise, because I was going to the shows in the arena on the day before they would air, and then I could watch the shows as they aired from our flat. Really, I think that's the way to do it. Was it very fun for the final sitting in the the press room with a bunch of super fans as we got very excited for everything in the final? Yes. Would I want to do that for all three of the shows? Absolutely not. So you were in the vicinity during the grand final. Yeah, during the grand final, I was in the press center. I was watching with all of the other fan media. Oh, wow. That was very fun just to watch what songs were making people get out of their chairs and go to like the big open area. Cha-cha-cha, yes. Everybody was out of their seat. Everybody was out of their seat for Finland. A smaller group was out of their seat for Israel. There was general excitement for Lorene. Lorene won the overall press poll. When I had taken a look at like the stats of how that was doing, Finland was in the lead. I was like, yes, it's happening. Thinking about like what we had discussed, were we incorrect? Yes, but were we on the right track? Yeah, like I, I was very confident that Finland was going to do very well in the televote, and I was correct. Yeah. Where we, yeah. Where we were wrong was in, I thought that there was going to be a tighter jury score race. Not even necessarily with Finland, but like with anybody else. Yeah. <laughs> I'm still kind of shocked by how that jury vote played out. Mm-hmm. Uh, not in a conspiracy theory, 
let's dismantle everything sort of way, but just sort of like, huh, just, yeah. So <laughs> I mean, well, I think about the stuff that I thought was going to be a potential spoiler, because like France, I was mostly basing that on the photos we were getting. And when I saw that performance live, I'm like, oh, this is just fine. There were some very beautiful shots because like the intro, very dramatic, but then like, okay, cool. They're going to lower her and they're going to take away the big skirt and they're going to raise her. And then there's the, the rate of sparks. The rate of sparks shot is very good. But then like the, the, the middle was fine. It seemed very samey throughout, which, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I was kind of disappointed by that. But we did get the sly sense of humor when she received her televote score. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I missed that in the press room. And then after the fact, I was like, oh, that's fun. Love her. It went over very well at my Eurovision party. So. Yes. Uh, and then the, uh, like, the other one that I'm like, okay, this one could get like a bunch from the jury and get nothing from the televote. And I think we were like, didn't get as much from the jury, but I was right on the televote Spain. Mm. There was chatter amongst our group after watching the performance of Spain of like, this could be a spoiler. And I was still just like, could it? Yeah. Spain every so often loves to do flamenco and it does not resonate with everybody. It's beautiful, but it does not resonate with everybody. And I thought they'd stage things in a really interesting way. I'm also just like, I don't know. I could not put my finger on it, but there was something that felt very off about that final performance. It sort of felt like there was a ghost near me. We're just like, there's something not right here. And I, I still don't know what it is, but it's like, this isn't working. And I don't know why. Getting to see the performance that would be shown during each of the semifinals for the big six was super interesting. I'm glad that Italy did well. I kind of would have liked it to do slightly better with either the jury or the televote to take some of those points away from Sweden. Uh, (laughs) But I was also just mystified by their staging because I'm like, you guys have like a whole trampoline thing happening in the background and you're showing none of it with your camera angles. Like you're getting like little bits and pieces of it. But like as far as the home audience knows, that's just a weird gif in the background. It definitely felt that way during the dress rehearsals portion of it. But I thought in the grand final, like they got the timing right and everything like i i found it to be a very affecting performance and i think it was third on my overall ballot at the end they know what they're doing see heart of steel like that one was an x factor of like okay so like we know that ukraine does this very well and we know there's still a lot of love for ukraine as there should be is this going to somehow spike just given that all the interval stuff is like hello ukraine the uk i'm like this is a fun performance but this feels like a radio record and i couldn't get a sense of am i just too old for this song the thing I enjoyed, though, uh, with the warm-up for the grand final, the the one rehearsal we got to see of that, we got into the arena and they were walking everybody through the flag parade. It was like flag parade orientation, just like everybody is in their outfit on the floor and we are watching a video of the stand-ins. <laughs> and they're a stage manager is being like okay and like you're gonna go to the left and you're gonna make it snappy getting to our seats and going oh oh that's the setup for go away and realizing oh getting to, getting to see go away and getting to see jamala and getting to see tina carroll and getting to see verka's crew it was just just yes this is great this is this is going to be a really good flag parade i really liked the liverpool songbook I think they should have given Mahmood a better song than Imagine just because we try to imagine it like every sort of international event where we need to all hold hands around the world. Yeah. Also, it, it I think it kind of set 
the not quite right tone. Like, it, it feels like that should have been something that was towards the end of the medley rather than kicking it off. I will give them points for trying to do something interesting with the arrangement, though. My non-knowledge of Atomic Kitten got immediately rectified when it was Dothy Frere doing their song Home Again. Whole Again. Whole Again. I heard it as Home Again at the big Eurovision welcome and like, oh, that's what this song is. And then realized during Dothy Frere rehearsing that, oh, no, it's Whole. Yeah. Uh, speaking of that, Dothy was in town a few days early and because he has an album coming out, just like sent out an email to his list of like, hello, I'm going to be giving out ice cream on Thursday at this spot. And it was like a five minute walk from our flat. So why not? Oh, awesome. I was getting some serious punches on my punch card of Eurovision people photo things because I got to meet Daffy, did get to meet Karia. Oh, yay. He said that he liked my jacket. So I'm doing this podcast from the grave. Yeah. (laughs) I am a ghost now. So the sauna truck thing. Yes. What was the deal with that? Okay, my my understanding of things, because I am just online enough to be following the right level of accounts, is there was some sort of agreement between Karia and the sauna truck people that if he won, they would bring a sauna truck. Okay. (laughs) So like on some level that, but then it just sort of showed up on Monday morning. I had been around the the Albert docks the weekend before because like we had done like a Beatles tour and we had ridden on the Ferris wheel that's over there. And there were a bunch of like really good restaurants and stuff. But then just on Monday, I'm just like, oh, next to where we bought our tickets for the Beatles tour and the British music experience is a sauna truck now. Okay, I should keep an eye on that. And that turned out to be a good thing because I think they wanted to do just like a bunch of press there. They did like a couple collaborative things with other Eurovision artists. One of the 12 Points crew and I happened to see Taya and Selena leave the sauna truck. Oh, cool. And they got a photo with with Taya and Selena. After the fact, I'm like, oh, that's why they were there. Uh, but no, they were just doing like a bunch of press. And like, I ne- like having watched the the Karia concert that was on YLE, I kind of like, while well, trying to figure out how to search for that on the Arena app, found out that there's like a bunch of stuff. I'm like, I need to just go through a bunch of this and see if I'm in the background of any of these shots. Yeah. Because <laughs> I probably Again, am. the green jacket. Yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> well, uh, it, it'll be harder there because there was a lot of neon green over there. True. Yeah, so uh, was was there a big costume contingent at the shows that you went to? Okay, so at semifinal one jury show, we were seated and I was looking across the arena. I'm like, that is a person in a full bolero. Oh, nice. And I'm pretty sure it's the person that the BBC News interviewed and labeled as Karia. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Like, I'm pretty sure it's that guy. After everything, I'm done at the press center. Bye, everybody. I should have hung around because artists would like come out to the press area. But instead, I was like, I really want to know what's happening down by the sauna truck. Like, that's a more interesting story to me. And so went over there, grabbed some video. It was great. And then, like, as somebody who's been aware of, like, the person in Karia's entourage, who is basically him from the Micmac video, Haria, was at the truck as the person who was following their Instagram stories and trying to figure out, okay, where's the yellow man? 
it was it was very satisfying to have found him. I haven't even mentioned the Euro Village. There was like a whole Euro Village happening that was essentially just like the same setup that I recognized from like a Boston Calling. You'd have your Eurovision acts, but also just like a bunch of Liverpool local music that was really good. Went over there for Karia's set and got like a mini set of that. Went over there for Luke Black. Luke Black performed like one new song he's been working on and Samo Misespava, and that was it. And that was great. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, it was It was two songs. On the other hand, like, with Eurovision, you have this wonderful thing where like some, some people are just new up-and-comers and some people do have a deep back catalog they can pull from. Uh, Let Three was dealing with some illness, otherwise they would have also been performing that same day as Luke Black, and I was very interested to hear like what else were we going to get from them. They had like a full just sort of Discover Ukraine wing of the Euro Village that I went to many times because they had Ukrainian food. Nice. Somebody posted an image of the various Soloveco songbirds that were all around Liverpool, just like one of them, just like fully inflated, and one of them just like fully deflated, and just like, yeah, that vibe. As it being your first Eurovision experience, do you plan on going to Eurovision again? Do you plan on doing the same level of Eurovision, or cutting back, or trying to fit in even more? I think it really depends on who is hosting in terms of like what level I want to be there. I would absolutely go back with press access because like I really enjoyed being able to sit in that first rehearsal and get a sense of, oh, this is what the performance is going to look like. Mm-hmm. But then also there were days that I was there and I went to the rehearsal and that was it. And there were days I just like completely just like was like, OK, cool. I'm going to hang out in the city because I don't need to be there for the show because it's a television program. I will watch that television program at home. True. Looking at the makeup of that room, you have all of your your live blogger people, your our website publishes 12 articles a day people, and then you have our podcast, which does a lot of absorbing and processing, and then, hello, let's check in, how are things going? As it turns out, there's a big tent for that side of things, too. I will absolutely be back. Excellent. I guess we do get to wait a little bit until figuring out what the next Eurovision season is going to look like, which means that we get to go into off-season mode. We both need a break, you more than I, I think. (laughs) (laughs) So we will be off next week and going into an every other week sort of schedule, uh, typical of our off seasons. We are kind of restructuring how we divvy up the episodes. We will be dedicating every third-ish episode to catching up on news and that sort of thing, rather than trying to have news and a researched topic. We're just going to have dedicated episodes to various topics and then the news episode. We've got a lot of good stuff coming up. Like, I'm very, very excited about it. Between the various notes I had sent you, like, what if we did an episode about this while I was over in Liverpool? And then just also just all of the big list of things we were talking about at PopCon. I'm just really excited. And we also have episode 200 coming up, which is wild to think about. Yeah, how did did we do that many of these? Like, how have we made that many of, of, of what we do? I have no idea, but we're so grateful for the audience that wants to listen to all of those episodes. That's why we do this. Like, it's all in good fun. And we're so glad that we get to do this and have the opportunity to sometimes meet up with you. Like, that that is the great thing about actually going to Eurovision. It's like, oh, we get to meet all of our online friends. So (laughs) Yes. Also, I would be standing next to the 12 Points crew and be like, hello, I am also. And they'd be like, are you Danny? And like, I'm not Danny. Yeah. I'm not not Danny from 12 Points. I have a different podcast. Perhaps you have listened to us. You should have gotten one of those labels, like all of the volunteers <laughs> doing the rehearsals that just said Danny. <laughs> oh, man, that is a joke for six people tops, though. 
for the people who get it, it's good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> More exciting things to come, so stay tuned. That's going to do it for this episode of the EuroWhat. Thanks for listening. The EuroWhat podcast is hosted by Ben Smith. That's me and Mike McComb. That's me. You can find show notes, our socials, and all of our coverage for Eurovision 2023 on our website at eurowhat.com. If you'd like to help support the show and get our full archive of bonus episodes, head on over to patreon.com slash eurowhat. Next time on the EuroWhat, we'll explore the craft of songwriting with Blood and Glitter co-writer Anthony J. Brown.